The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Exploring our oneness with spirit and each other. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with host Victoria Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now, let's get this party started. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. People always say at the end of their rainbow, they plan to find gold. Well, at the end of my rainbow, I found the plant-based diet. That was my cure. Those are the words of Patty Jones, someone who met Nelson and Kim Campbell of the film Plant Pure Nation, who will be joining me after the first break. There's more to come, but right now, I'm Victoria Moran, your host for Main Street Vegan, and our first guest today is Lisa Levinson. Lisa is the director of In Defense of Animals Sustainable Activism Campaign. She's also a trained movement therapist, a museum exhibit designer, a mosaic artist, and she uses her therapeutic skills to promote self-care for animal activists. Lisa is co-chair of the Council for Sustainable Activism, and she organizes vegan spirituality meetups and retreats across the country to explore veganism as spiritual practice. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you so much, Victoria. It's a delight to be here. Well, it's wonderful to meet you, to know you, to know what you're about. I was just checking my email today, which seems to be what takes up a lot of people's time these days, and uh, a lovely gentleman from down in Florida, he's a, a film director, is going to start doing a documentary about vegan spirituality. So the idea of veganism as, as spiritual practice is something that's really getting out in the world. How did you come to it? 
Wow, that's so interesting to hear about the documentary. I'd love to hear a little more at some point. Um, Well, actually, I came to it by way of a discussion with a good friend of mine. We were talking about our travels in the spiritual circles and also being vegan and felt as though we wanted uh, to, to align with groups that connected our spiritual values with our vegan values. And my friend uh, Sandy Herman had coined the term vegan spirituality. And as we uh, joined together to start a, a group, a local group in Philadelphia that met monthly and explored those ideas together, we also reached out to other folks in the community who were really teaching similar things about connecting veganism and spirituality, such as you know, Dr. Will Tuttle and his, his book about um, the World Peace Diet, and also Judy Carmen, the two of them put together the circleofcompassion.org. So it was really seeing all of these efforts, and I realized this is more than one group. It is actually a movement, a whole movement of uh, vegans who want to connect their spiritual practice to their veganism. That's a really important thing because I have found that for the most part, those two aspects of my life often don't intersect. And sometimes when I'm with my friends who are very devoted to spirituality, whether it's it's, uh, uh, Native American spirituality or Eastern spirituality or Christian spirituality or whatever it is, they seem to most of the time have reasons that make sense to them why veganism is not necessary as a part of that. And sometimes I feel that I have to kind of shut that part of myself off when I'm around them. I mean, obviously I've done my my pitch. (laughs) They know what I stand for. And then I just have to step back, and that makes me feel so sad because for me, I mean, I went vegetarian as a teenager because of yoga. So the idea that spirituality wouldn't be a, a doorway into a, a more compassionate way of eating and living is kind of alien to me. Mm, yes, I completely relate and understand your point of view. And that's, that's why we started this group, actually, and the movement, I guess you'd say, just to, to give people, other vegans who feel the same way, a place, a home, a sanctuary where we can gather together, whether it's at a, a monthly meeting, um, sometimes they're via meetup groups, uh, or it could be an annual retreat where people gather together to explore these, this um, connection between veganism and spirituality and deepen that in their lives. Um, or we also have recently started another event called Compassion Fest. And all of these are really efforts to bring a community together and to see, hear, and connect with each other so that we can validate and we can also uh, welcome others who are spiritual and may be interested in connecting it to the larger concept of ahimsa, which is dynamic harmlessness. 
I love dynamic harmlessness, and God bless Jay Dinshaw. <laughs> I think he probably yes. coined that way back when. So I know there are a couple of events coming up because I'm going to be part of them, thanks to you. So why don't you tell us about both of these events, Compassion Fest in New Haven and then the Vegan Spirituality uh, Retreat near Philadelphia coming later this summer? Oh, Sure. Yeah, the the Compassion Fest is really um, the child of, so to speak, of Tabitha Logan. She is a member of the Vegan Spirituality Meetup of New Haven, Connecticut, and she thought it would be really nice to bring people together in a sort of uh, vegan spiritual outreach event, one where people could reach out to others in the community who may be also interested in helping people, the environment, and animals, and put together a festival, a fun atmosphere where people can connect um, and also to celebrate their values, such as justice, equality, kindness, compassion, but do this with music and cruelty-free vendors and also some performance art. So it'll be a fun day of uh, just enjoying community together and recognizing that we can create community based on compassion. So that's that was her idea, and she's putting together one in New Haven, Connecticut, that will be on the 25th of July. And so it's, a, it's the first one of these that she's putting together, although there have been other events with a similar name uh, before. This one is a real neighborhood event, one that uh, really ex- seeks to reach out to people in the community. And so it's, it's also educational. And this event was, although Tabitha created it, she wanted to share it. She really wanted to spread the word around the country. And so other uh, vegan spirituality organizers are planning to take up the same concept and create compassion fests in different areas across the country. And yes, we're so excited to have, have you as our featured speaker for the very first compassion fest in New Haven, Connecticut. Oh, I'm so excited, and I love the idea that it's a college town because there are people there who at the time of life when when they're open to new ideas and to have this as one of the new ideas falling on that fertile soil is really exciting. Oh, yeah, definitely. Now, what's happening in, in Philadelphia or near Philadelphia later on, that's a little bit different. Yes, that's a different sort of event. So the Vegan Spirituality Retreat, as opposed to Compassion Fest, which is more of an outreach event, the retreat is designed to be exactly that, an opportunity to come together and really um, explore this style of devotion, veganism, together, and to uh, have a day where you're nurturing We're nurturing ourselves through yoga, through meditation, through speakers such as yourself, uh, bringing light and and love to our community, and also validation for all of the good work that everyone's done by choosing a compassionate lifestyle. It's really a time to gather and celebrate. I I can hardly wait. And do companion animals get to come to this? Yes, I'm glad you mentioned mm-hmm. that. We hold these events so that people can bring their entire family with them. And so since the goal of the event is to really expand our circle of compassion um, and celebrate that in 
in community, we, we want to also bring our companion animals, and we have a non-traditional blessing of the animals that we do at the event, which really honors animals that are uh, suffering around the world. It also uh, celebrates and remembers companion animals from um, our lives that we've shared our lives with, and um, provides a uh, Reiki blessing for the animals that are there with us in the moment. So it's a fun event. It involves um, dancing and drumming on vegan drums, and it's an opportunity to really acknowledge the in in community the sad the sad news for animals, but also the good news for animals. So it balances out some of the struggles that we hear about animals, such as the ones we see on Facebook, and also the good news, too, so that we feel empowered and uh, really united in our journey to continue with veganism as a way of life. Oh, that's such a wonderful thing. I, I love that you made the connection with spirituality and that you connected with indefensive animals so that you guys can offer emotional support and self-care tools for activists because it can be a lonely grind, and I think this is particularly true for people whose path is more hands-on activism of doing animal rescue and this kind of thing. I just think those people are walking saints, and I don't know how they do it. Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned that. That's a big part of of what I'm doing with the Sustainable Activism Campaign. In fact, we have um, webinars that we offer for that are free for activists who and rescue workers who may need some a sense of solidarity and also just new information about how to take care of themselves. And in addition to that, we have a helpline. This is a very new project. It's an animal activist helpline that people can call and actually on the other end of the line receive support from therapists and uh, folks who are trained in nonviolent communication and they'll receive support from people who fully understand uh, the value of animal rights and animal activism because they are also in that same community. Well, you've given me a lot of of URLs here, and I know that people are listening, <laughs> and so it may be hard for some of them to get this down. The easiest one is veganspirituality.com. That's easy to remember. And um, could we start with that? And then uh, they can also maybe Google in defense of animals and sustainable activism and, and be led to some of those services. And, and oh, both sure. of the retreats uh, are also on, on my website. If you go to uh, MainStreetVegan.net and click on events, you'll get the direct line to uh, the Compassion Fest and the, the retreat uh, near Philadelphia later on in the summer. And we are talking 2015. I know this is a podcast and people could be listening. Heaven knows when. <laughs> but we're talking about the summer of 2015. What a great time to be loving, be spiritual will be compassionate and, and gather together with uh, Lisa Levinson and In Defense of Animals and other great people doing great things. Thank you so much, Lisa, for coming on the show and for all the great work that you do. Oh, you're welcome, and thank you for everything you're doing to promote this compassionate lifestyle. And I'm so looking forward to seeing you at the Vegan Spirituality Retreat, and I hope to see some of your listeners as well. 
I hope so, too. And you'll see Forbes, too, my dog Forbes. <laughs> we both plan to Yay. attend. He may actually speak <laughs> as well. Lisa, thank you so much. Everybody else, stay with us. We'll be bringing on Kim Campbell and Nelson Campbell, Plant Pure Nation. We'll be right back. Unity Online Radio brings you inspiring programs on a variety of spiritual topics. Giving to the network is now easier than ever. Simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone. You can make a one-time or recurring donation. Your gifts help us offer enriching spiritual programs that reach listeners around the world. Text Unity Radio to 72727. Thank you for your support. It's Kitchen Table Karma. Make kind food choices. Watch more good come into your own experience. Feed your body with bright, fresh, colorful foods from nature and develop the glow of radiant health. Learn how to easily reap these benefits in your life with Victoria Moran's latest book, The Good Karma Diet. Eat gently, feel amazing, age in slow motion. Including stories from real people whose dietary change graced their lives in remarkable ways. Plus, 40 delectable superfood recipes from culinary alchemist Doris Finn. Available wherever books are sold as a print edition, an ebook, or a deluxe Kindle or Nook book with 30 minutes of audiovisual extras. The Good Karma Diet. Share the love and love your life. At the base of all life is the infinite wellspring of Source. And each of us has a unique way of expressing that Source as an individualized soul. Do you enjoy the company of inspiring people who are living on purpose? Do you want to live joyfully attuned to your own unique soul expression? Host Reverend Kristen Powell welcomes you to join the gathering of souls who live this way. You'll meet artists, naturalists, and other soulful expressions that will inspire you to call forth the most alive, passionate version of yourself. Get into the natural stream of your own soul by tuning into Soul Stream live every Wednesday at noon Central Time on Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Pop culture is defined by the Oxford Dictionary as modern popular culture transmitted via mass media and aimed particularly at younger people. But can it be meaningful? spiritual even the hosts of pop conscious think it can be and that it can be fun to explore too Malena Don and Stacy Macris Ross will be your amateur cultural anthropologists examining pop culture and spirituality every Monday at 2 p.m. Central on Pop Conscious on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. notice that there might be something not quite right 
but you just can't put your finger on it? We may describe it as an inner stirring, a restlessness, a yearning to find our way home to our heart and higher purpose. Some of us may feel like we are living on borrowed time, that despite our accomplishments, what was once so important to us now just feels empty and meaningless. If you find your heart longing, wanting, looking for a path home to authenticity and purpose, join us for transformation, inspiration, hope, and possibility. Move toward your higher calling. Listen to The Call of Spirit with Evelyn Foreman and tune in to Possibility every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Central Time here on Unity Online Radio. listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter or email her at MainStreetVegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. Welcome back to the Main Street Vegan Show. We're so happy to have you with us today. And I know you've been waiting for Kim and Nelson Campbell because a lot of you have seen the wonderful documentary, Plant Pure Nation, and others I know are planning to see that. There's also Kim's wonderful companion cookbook, the Plant Pure Nation Cookbook, the official companion to the breakthrough film. Let me give you just a little bit of intro and then bring these fascinating people on the show. Kim Campbell, author of the Plant Pure Nation cookbook, is daughter-in-law of Dr. T. Colin Campbell, considered by many as the science father of the rapidly growing plant-based nutrition movement. She works with her husband, Nelson, in a health and wellness business promoting a whole food plant-based diet. This experience has allowed her to hone her culinary skills, especially in understanding how to create flavors, textures, and presentations that appeal to mainstream consumers. Kim holds a bachelor's degree from Cornell University and um, is married to Nelson Campbell, who leads the nonprofit foundation he established to drive a grassroots movement around the health message of plant-based nutrition. Prior to this, he had 25 years entrepreneurial experience building various companies. He is also a graduate of Cornell in political science and economics. Welcome, Kim and Nelson. Well, uh, it's good to be here, Victoria. Thank you for having us. Well, it's wonderful to have you both, and, and I love the movie. I've seen it twice now, most recently at Vegetarian Summerfest just a few days ago. So congratulations on getting that made and having it so polished and, and, and just so fascinating. You always want to see what's the next frame, what's coming, because it's really, it's a little bit almost like a mystery when you're dealing there with the state legislature in Kentucky and trying to get them to do a simple little resolution. The wheels of the bureaucracy turn slowly, huh? They, they certainly do, and, um, you know, really a lot of it has to do with the influence of money and politics. Of course, we all know that, but um, 
the, the film is uh, kind of shows that graphically. Well, the important thing is doing the right thing by everybody, and that's really what your film is about, and you do it so beautifully. So tell us first about the film and how that came about and how it has now become a movement. Um, well, the film, um, you know, that's been um, in production for a couple of years, and uh, as you know, I think the first time you saw it, we were on tour and just screening the uh, the rough cut. But we went on tour this spring for a couple of months around the country and showed the rough cut of the film or the advanced cut. And we did that to generate some grassroots interest and to get feedback. Uh, I kind of uh, like to joke around sometimes and say this is the first film that uh, was crowdsourced because we got a lot of valuable feedback and made a lot of edits on the fly. And we, we finally finished the film uh, in June, and then we had our premiere uh, toward the end of the month. And so we're just now beginning to release the film in theaters uh, across the country, and it will be an extended release. Uh, I know that there are a lot of folks that want to see it, um, but, um, you know, we've, we're going to have to do this in a more gradual way, but we're, but we're going to extend the release into the fall. And so hopefully we can get into most areas. Um, and uh, by the way, I uh, understood that the you know, film was showed at the Summerfest. I, I, I heard that you guys had some technical problems uh, with, with a certain point of the film. I apologize for that. I'm not sure what happened. But um, at any rate, on the heels of the film release, uh, we also were launching a... Um, a grassroots strategy to form local groups around the country that we're calling Plant Pure Pod. And these local groups will be uh, all focused on the mission of promoting plant-based nutrition within their local communities. And we're going to be providing a lot of support to those local groups, including a web platform, um, food, and the Jumpstart program featured in the film will be online, and a number of other things. And we're doing this uh, in kind of a socially conscious way. Uh, we're going to be donating profits that are earned from this back to a nonprofit foundation that will be uh, tasked with um, kind of leading the charge for this, this movement, um, developing and fostering uh, activist initiatives that can be implemented by these pods within their local communities. So how many communities are, are involved at this point? I know you've barely begun, but, but who's got pods right now? Well, we're just um, finishing the, the uh, sort of the web infrastructure that groups will need in order to form and function as pods. And we, we're probably maybe a week or two away from having that done. Uh, we've been getting requests in from all over the country so as soon as we have that operational, I think it's going to take off very, very quickly. Okay. Well, for those who have yet to see the film, and we will get to the cookbook, Kim, I have my elbow on it, wishing maybe some of the <laughs> recipes could reach me via elbow because I'm a little hungry and they look really great. But just for people new to the film, what's the story of the film? Just give us a, a little teaser. Uh, is that for, for, for me or Kim? For you. I'm sorry. Uh, for me? Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, so the film is really focused on answering the question, uh, why haven't we heard this, this uh, powerful health message before? And, of course, I should preface that by saying that more and more of us are, in fact, uh, hearing about this. But still, for mainstream Americans, uh, most, most people don't begin to understand this incredible power that they have over their health. And uh, so that's really, really the question that we're addressing. The documentary uh, is very much a story-driven film. Uh, there's a lot of uh, educational information in it, but we, we go through that with a, with a strong story. The story begins in Kentucky uh, after my father had spoke from the floor of the House of, of Representatives there a few years ago. And after he had spoken, he got an incredibly enthusiastic response. So at that point, um, I stepped in and started talking with the legislator there who had arranged for my dad to speak. Um, and I got involved because I had been thinking about doing a pilot project in North Carolina, and uh, I thought, well, maybe there might be an opportunity to, to do that project in Kentucky. And so um, this legislator, Tom Reiner, and I kind of really hit it off, and we ended up developing uh, some pretty exciting legislation to do a pilot project. Uh, but then when it went behind closed doors, it got killed by the industry lobbyists. Tom said it was the most intense lobby effort he'd seen in 30 years of politics. And so at that point, uh, you know, I started thinking about it, and I, I realized that, you know, they, they killed the, the, the bill, but they didn't kill the idea. And I decided to do that pilot project anyways back in North Carolina. And I also started to see a storyline that we could drive that would – make more transparent, you know, uh, why it is that we haven't heard this message before. And so I, I don't want to give away the rest of the story, but I'll just say that we did the <laughs> pilot project in, in North Carolina and then used those results to re-engage with the legislature in Kentucky, which makes for a dramatic ending. It's very dramatic, and it's, I'll tell you my favorite part of the whole film, and it's not going to give anything away except encourage people to come and listen. That is the church, and I can't remember if that one's in North, that's in North Carolina, I believe, and I, I did quote Patty Jones at the beginning of the show. She's, I believe, one of, of the members of that church, and the pastor just gave such a rousing response to what had happened when members of his congregation changed their diets to eating whole plant foods and, and the really miraculous uh, results in some cases. And I just figure if everybody in America was listening to somebody like that on Sunday mornings, we'd get a plant pure nation before you know it. Yeah, that was really exciting. Uh, we, you know, we did the, the, the pilot project. That we call it the Jump Starts. We did a series of Jump Starts in a small rural town in North Carolina called Mevin. And that church was about maybe, I think it was 10 miles uh, north of town out in the countryside. And it was a small uh, African-American Baptist church. And um, I, I knew someone, I had met someone who went to church there, and so he invited me to, to their Bible study uh, one Wednesday evening. And uh, I just went up there and started talking about plant-based nutrition and, and convinced uh, a number of them to, to participate in a Jumpstart program. And a number of them had really dramatic results. And the pastor was, was one of those. 
And so he got so fired up that he decided to do a, a whole sermon around this. And uh, we attended the service, and I'll never forget it. I mean, it was one of the most passionate um, uh, uh, speeches I've ever seen relating to this idea of plant-based nutrition. It was, it was really something. It's pretty fabulous. It would be wonderful if that whole sermon could be somewhere on your website or YouTube or something so we could all hear it. I think we'll get that pastor together with the Pope. We had a guest last week talking about the Pope's encyclical and some of the things that he's been saying about how we need to be relating to animals. And it's like, oh, my goodness, maybe we'll take over the world um, in ways that we never imagined. So, Kim, I want to move over to you because you've got the nuts and bolts and the beans and greens of uh, how to do this. Because so many people, I was just talking to somebody yesterday who says, oh, it just seems so complicated. I know I need to do that, but I just wouldn't know where to start. So you have this wonderful cookbook, the Plant Pure Nation Cookbook, that will help people who are starting, but also people who have been at it a while with some wonderful, wonderful recipes. So how did you get started? Um, I've been pretty much cooking plant-based for 25 years. And I grew up, you know, as a, as a kid in a very traditional home. So, you know, I, my, my skills go back to 10, when I was 10 years old. But I've always tried to pull people into the plant-based lifestyle. It's always been a passion and an interest of mine being in education and teaching. So my, my philosophy was to try to make the food something that everybody would enjoy, mainstream, you know, Americans, not just plant-based people. So I'm always trying to get my parents to eat plant-based and my, my, my own extended family, my own siblings and their families. So that's always been a, a real challenge, but it's a fun challenge. Well, it, I am, my hat is off to you for creating all of these recipes. I admire people who can look in a crisper and see a dinner <laughs> instead of uh-huh. just seeing the ingredient that's missing in the recipe we were going to make. So you've got some right. really unusual things here. You've got barbecued jackfruit, Dixie caviar, <laughs> I, and, of course, my favorite mushroom stroganoff. Love that. So did you... How do you create a recipe? Do you start out with trial and error, or do you always write down what you put in when you're cooking and see if it's good enough to make a recipe? What's your process? You know, I didn't used to do that. I used to kind of throw things together, and every time I made it, it came out a little different. And when we started this business, Nelson really got after me about writing everything down and making sure that we could pass it on to our chefs so that they could build it. So I got a lot better at that and, and you know, keeping records. So that that's how that process happens. Um, as far as how I develop a recipe, I just, I think I'm a cookbook junkie. I, I have a lot of cookbooks and I go on the web and look at websites and what other people are doing. I, when I go to restaurants, I take pictures and dissect my food. I guess it's kind of strange, but that's, I, just, I just really enjoy that whole process. And I really think it's about sharing ideas and recipes, and that's what, you know, that's what we're all doing, all of the cookbook authors and website foodies. Um, we're all just sharing ideas and creating new things. It's truly an art. 
Well, it is, and I think there are so many recipes out there now. I mean, when I was growing up, you kind of had Betty Crocker and Julia Child, <laughs> and depending upon mm-hmm. one's level of culinary sophistication, you kind of picked one, and now there's just mm-hmm. so much out there uh, to choose from, so we really never have to have the same meal twice. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned Betty Crocker and some of those more traditional cookbooks because a lot of my recipes began there. And those were things that we had growing up, and like the barbecue jackfruit, I started with, um, you know, a barbecue sauce, and of course there's a, a lot of them to choose from, or you can make your own, but I kept thinking, well, how can we make something plant-based that looks like pulled pork? <laughs> and so, you know, I thought of seitan, but that's very processed, I didn't want to do that, and looked at a lot of different things and, and realized that um, jackfruit was out there and people were using it. So I just kind of came up with the idea of putting some onions and peppers and putting it all in a crock pot and making a pulled pork type sandwich, which is, it's, a, it's one of our, it's one of our really popular recipes when I do a cooking class. So I always go back to the Betty Crocker and some of the more traditional cookbooks because that's where we all started from. Well, I just saw somebody this morning on uh, Facebook was asking where you get jackfruit. Um, you know, Whole Foods doesn't carry it right now. I've, I've, I've asked them if they could carry it, and most of your mainstream grocery stores don't. I have gotten ours at the Asian market. Uh, most Asian markets and Indian markets will carry it. It's a, it's a fruit that's grown in the, I think, um, Southeast Asian area, so it's it's a uh, Asian Asian market basically, and you you can buy it fresh, but apparently it's quite difficult to cut and very messy. Um, you know, you have to take it outside with newspapers. It's quite a job. So I just buy the green jackfruit in the can, without the without okay. the vines. Yeah. Okay. There are some amazing foods out there. When we were in Jamaica, I discovered aki, the national fruit of Jamaica. But when it is cut open and put in a skillet and stirred up with some onion or vegetables, it's scrambled eggs. I couldn't believe it. We were at a Rastafarian restaurant, and they assured me everything is absolutely vegan. There's nothing from an animal, but this stuff, was scrambled eggs, as I remember scrambled eggs. It's quite amazing what's out there when people say, oh, but I would miss something. You don't really have to miss anything. And Mm -hmm. even desserts, I'm looking here, and I know that that you guys are very much proponents of whole foods. You're also oil-free, and yet you're offering us carrot cake, chocolate avocado pudding, creamy frosting, date bars, chocolate pumpkin pie. I mean, this is not an austerity program. Yeah, you know, I, I, I will say I'm not a dessert person. It's not something I, I crave. I, I guess I'm lucky in that, that regard, but I do tell people to remember it's a dessert for special occasions, birthdays, parties, celebrations. And so some of those recipes are sweeter than, than you know, than I would probably serve in my own home, but they're special. Um, some of them are higher in fat because you're using avocados and nuts. So I, I, I think those are, are special recipes, not recipes that you and, would consume every day. 
Exactly, and that's a whole idea that I think in a plant-pure nation we would be getting back to, this whole idea of treats. I mean, I do remember when cake and ice cream meant it was somebody's birthday and fudge meant it was Christmas. You know, it's not the kind of thing like now you go pay for gas and you can buy all that stuff. Right. So you all have, have, you've raised a family this way? Yeah, we have three children who are now in their, well, our oldest is 24 and our youngest is 18, so I would, I guess you could say they're adults. <laughs> um, but yeah, they, they've been plant-based pretty much since they were born. It's not to say that they didn't have some cheese now and then that was hidden in things when they were at people's houses. And, you know, they, they've experienced the other world. And I'd say two out of three of them are are very um, pure plant-based eaters. And one of them will stray occasionally. He's in college right now. But I I would say our kids are are pretty health conscious. That's great. Do you have any tips for parents of teenagers? I think one of the things I tell people when they're switching over and their kids are, especially between 8 and 12, those are are harder years to get, get kids to transition. But I think giving them ownership in their food and, you know, picking your battles to a certain extent. I I taught middle school for many years, and sometimes I think you do have to pick your battles, and you don't want food to be a battle, that's for sure. But I always gave my kids ownership. Um, They, you know, they earned money. It was their money, and if they cooked, if we were eating food, oftentimes it was something that they cooked or they chose or, you know, they went to the grocery store and, and selected the, the vegetables. So they had a lot of ownership in their food, and I think they took a lot of pride in it as well. Well, it makes such a difference. I, I think even for little children, when they start cooking it, then they own it. Mm-hmm. So the URL, listeners, is plantpurenation.com. You can also find uh, the work of, of Nelson and, and Kim and all their wonderful colleagues, T- Colin Campbell and others who are, are part of this film and this movement, at Plant Pure Nation on both Twitter and Instagram. So, Nelson, some people had emailed me when they saw that you were going to be on the show, and they said, can you ask him what it was like growing up with Colin Campbell as a dad, and how early in his life did the family start making this transition to eating in this different way? Well, um, I think we, uh, we grew up with uh, great parents, and there are a lot of great parents out there. Um, I... Uh, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't obviously didn't fully see coming what's happening today with my dad. You know, we always thought that everything he said was true. And, and um, you know, we also had a front row seat to, to a lot of suffering that he had to, he had to go through because of his, his scientific beliefs. But I never knew for sure if he would ever get recognized uh, for, for what he had discovered. And I'm just so happy for him that, you know, that this idea is coming to light and that he's seeing this change in his lifetime because uh, he did have to endure a lot uh, in fighting for the truth. Um, so he's, he's been a good role model. Uh, and in terms of our own dietary transition, it started to happen, I guess, when I was in my mid to late teens. 
and we started to cut back on our consumption of meat. And pretty soon it was sort of just a garnish. And then we, you know, started having more and more meatless meals. And and by the time I was uh, 19 or so, 20, I would say that we were plant-based. And uh, and then when I went to college, uh, I was uh, plant-based for the most part. Um, I, You know, I didn't eat back then the way that we eat now. I've come to understand that it's really, really important to eat whole food plant-based. Uh, you know, you can't subsist on, uh, you know, all, all the fake meat products and refi- refined flours and processed foods and foods that have a lot of oil. You know, all of that can be plant-based, but it can also be very unhealthy. So it's the whole food. So over the course of our life, you know, we've done better and better at uh, eating a whole foods plant-based diet. That's a lovely story that kind of helps some of us get in on the life of the famous Campbells. And I do want to do a shout-out to your absolutely lovely mother, Karen. I had met her briefly from time to time over the years, but finally at Summerfest last week I got to actually sit down and talk with her. She's absolutely charming, both in the film and in real life. And so I think you, you really lucked out on the parent lottery. Uh, I, I did. Um, they, they were wonderful parents. Uh, you know, uh, none of us are perfect, and 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 um, uh, they, they would they would they would say that too. Um, but overall, I think that they were just fantastic parents. They were great role models, and um, yeah, I was very fortunate, and, and that's why I I feel compelled, you know, in, in my own way to try to sort of give something back. Because there are a yes, lot of well, people who were born into, you know, other circumstances, um, into poverty or into, you know, conflict and, you know, people. So, so, so those those of us who have kind of a, a kind of a blessed upbringing, I guess, uh, you know, really should should try to give something back because not everyone has that. Well, you're certainly doing that, and and you did mention a word that I'm just going to pick up on, and that is poverty, and we know that there are people in this country as well as other countries who just have a hard time making ends meet, and when McDonald's is offering uh, dollar meals, and I think you can still get a burrito for 89 cents or something at Taco Bell, it's very hard to say, no, we want you to sit down and get some fresh produce when people are looking at, you know, tomatoes for three ninety nine a pound. So either one of you who wants to pick up on this question, how do we do this on a budget, and how do we encourage people who have limited means to still attempt to make this work? Right. You know, I, I don't think that this has to be a diet that's expensive, and I, I don't think it has to be a diet and a meal plan that is exotic. I think people think plant-based and the word vegan kind of scares them away, but it's actually really simple. Um, lots of beans and fresh produce, and, you know, you can eat frozen. I tell people all the time frozen produce is, is great. They flash freeze it. The nutrient value is pretty good in a, in a lot of frozen vegetables, and, and they're inexpensive. Potatoes, um, you know, e- eating eating this way doesn't have to be expensive. I think the real issue is when Nelson and I were in Kentucky going back and forth, one of the things I noticed was how many miles we went before we hit a grocery store. And I think there's a lot of people that are eating 
fast food or eating out of convenience um, marts, which is really difficult. Um, if you can get to a grocery store, you can do it inexpensively, but there are, there are miles and miles uh, and areas where there are no grocery stores. One of the things I should mention, Victoria, is uh, I, I mentioned before a nonprofit foundation, and that foundation will, will do some interesting things. One is we're going to launch a 50-state campaign to try to get people to replicate in their own states legislatively what we tried to do in Kentucky. Um, but the other thing we're, we're going to do is we're going to launch a program called our Plant Pure Oasis Program. And what we want to do is we have a frozen meal plan. We've got a 20-meal uh, meal plan, and that's going to be produced at a co-packer facility in Toronto where they can produce it in high volume. And we'd like to be able to get that food without any profit markup to uh, partners in low-income communities. In many cases, it may be churches for distribution to, to people who, who need it in the community, along with some, you know, wellness uh, programming. And, of course, we don't know the most effective way to do what I just said, but that's the kind of initiative that we will pass down to our local plant pure pods and say, hey, here's the idea. You know, take this idea and figure out how to best implement it. And when we have a group that's done that successfully, we'll come in and we'll document that on video and we'll share that with the rest of the pod network so that we can create this kind of a massive cycle of social invention and learning where, you know, millions of people are involved in solving a problem that, quite frankly, industry and government have helped to create. With the other side being so powerful, and I don't like to set people against people and all that, but I, I look at the, the food industry, I, I look at the agribusiness, and I'm certainly not talking about the small farmers who have their own problems, but the whole kind of, of um, animal agriculture and processed food world, and I think we are becoming a threat. I think for a long time they just kind of wrote us off as hippies and eccentrics and they didn't pay much attention. But now, certainly after the success of the China study and some of the other things that have happened, I think they are really um, feeling some pressure. So how do you propose to go out and change everything when we have not only that, that business pressure, but then there are also a lot of, of people, physicians, researchers, who appear to be unbiased but who believe as much in what they're telling people as we believe in what we're telling people. So how do we overcome that? Well, first of all, I think you said something early on that's very true is uh, as we launch this movement, we can't be adversarial. We have to be uh, open and inviting to everyone because this is an issue that affects all of us, obviously. And, you know, the CEO of one of those companies, you know, benefiting from the, the status quo, uh, that CEO, uh, you know, may have a, a spouse, may have kids, a mother, a father, and this is an issue that's also near and dear to, to that person's heart. So, you know, we always have to, to speak to everyone uh, in a non-hostile way. Uh, the second thing is I would argue that this, this health truth, it's as important for us to communicate this to those decision makers, uh, those, those people who are currently benefiting from the status quo, as it is to communicate it to anyone else. Because 
they they need time to adjust. They need time to uh, create new opportunity. And um, the the fact of the matter is, and this is what a lot of those I think a lot of these folks don't understand yet, is that this is a powerful fact of nature. This isn't some new dietary fad. This is one of the most uh, powerful facts of nature. Uh, ever discovered, because it has to do with living and dying and suffering and health. And this information's already gotten out to enough people that there's no way that you can cap this. There's no way that this idea long-term can be suppressed any, any longer. And so people are going to need to come to grips with this, and the sooner that they recognize this for what it is, the sooner they can get to work on creating new opportunities. And And I would argue, quite frankly, that uh, that's not such a bad thing either, figuring out new opportunity, because ch- change is always the source of opportunity. And if we lived in an unchanging world, there would be no opportunity. It would be a pretty boring place. People are still going to have to eat a lot. There's, they still have all kinds of needs and wants. And, you know, the world's not going to come to an end, and just, there's just going to be a whole lot of new opportunity. And we need to be entrepreneurial to figure out how to take advantage of this unstoppable trend. Whoa, I love how you think, and you said some great tweets there. This is a powerful fact of nature, and change is always the source of opportunity. So when you go on Twitter and Facebook and you look up at Plant Pure Nation, maybe you'll see some wonderful snippets of wisdom like that. My gosh, this time has gone so, so quickly. We have two minutes left, and I'm going to ask a long question in a short amount of time. Someone did email this in, and I should have asked it earlier. He is saying, if I want to make a documentary, (laughs) what's the first thing I need to know? Wow. Uh, the first thing you need to know is what you don't know. And, uh, and, and that's what, what, how I was able to, to be involved in, in this successful production is I knew what I didn't know, and so I went out and I found people who could help teach me what I didn't know. And um, there, it's not an easy thing. It's a very, very difficult, complicated process. And so uh, you just need to, you need to learn how to do it first. Well, whoever taught you did a great job because this is a splendid film. The cookbook as well, Kim, simply excellent. And I live in a New York City apartment, so I have limited space for cookbooks. This one is a keeper. (laughs) Thank you so very much. Everybody, thank you for being with us today. On behalf of of our guests, we thank you for listening. And and Unity Online Radio, thank you so much for hosting the Main Street Vegan Show. Next week, our show will include Joy Davey, who is an expert on pet grief. If you've lost a companion animal or know someone who has, she has so much of comfort to share with us. And then we'll be joined by Lindsay Nixon, the happy herbivore. So please be with us next week. Check out the archives on the Unity Online Radio site. And um, check out people like T. Colin Campbell, who have been on the show in the past. To everybody, God bless you. Eat your veggies.
Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria Moran entertains, educates, and inspires you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net. What is the key to happiness? Would you like to find the fountain of youth? How about all the money and love that you could handle? Well, my friends, it is there for you. You just need to strip off the false beliefs that keep your divine inheritance from being attracted into your life. You need to be real. Be vulnerable. Be naked. What are you waiting for? Let's get naked. This transformational program with Reverend Heidi Alfrey is an invitation to explore and remove the blocks that keep you from emotional freedom. Listen to Heidi and her revealing guests as they embrace the power of spiritual nakedness as a guaranteed way to live an authentic and transparent life. Expose yourself to your greatness on Mondays at 3 p.m. Central Time. Let's get naked. No dress code required. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You gotta get rid of your butt. It's bigger than it would appear. It hinders your forward movement when you keep bringing up the In quiet moments of prayer, let go of any concern. Anchor your trust deep in the realization that with God all things are possible. Never doubt it for a single moment. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Does music open your heart and bring you peace and joy? Experience the sacredness of sound with Ramdesh Kaur as we travel the world of mantra, kundalini yoga, and devotional music. Join us for a journey into spirit, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern, on Spirit Voyage Radio with Ramdesh. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Culture is defined by the Oxford Dictionary as modern popular culture transmitted via mass media and aimed particularly at younger people. But can it be meaningful, spiritual even? The hosts of Pop Conscious think it can be and that it can be fun to explore too. Malena Don and Stacy Macris Ross will be your amateur cultural anthropologists examining pop culture and spirituality every Monday at 2 p.m. Central on Pop Conscious on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
Do you want to deepen your connection to the divine, speed up your progress on the spiritual path, then tune in to the Spirit Matters podcast. I'm the host, Philip Goldberg, and I interview experts with wisdom, insight, and practical guidance for every seeker of truth. Spirit Matters on the mindbodyspirit.fm network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.